Welcome back. Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Derek Mason, Braden Gall, Marquise Munson. I have no idea where Nick is. <laughs> I think Nick went to um, he went to his office. <laughs> his Twitter office. Yeah, uh, he went to his Twitter Adam, office. Adam Vingan from The Athletic will join us here in just a few minutes. The college football playoff rankings come out last night. Ohio State at number one, LSU at number two. We'll get to some Tannehill stuff here in just a second. Uh, and then, of course, we've got Alabama at three. Alabama. Penn State at four. A little surprising there. Over Clemson at number five. Nobody happier than about that than Dabo Sweeney. So uh, the college football rankings out there. The Pac-12 teams ahead of Oklahoma. Georgia at six ahead of Oklahoma. So, so, so the Big 12 may be in some trouble after last night. So the uh, college football rankings out last night. A little college basketball. And um, a Ryan Tannehill stat that will shock you in just a second. So, D-Mace, your, your thoughts on... The rankings last night, what you uh, saw. How, how concerned are you if you're Alabama? Do you have to beat LSU to now make it in? Or do you think number three is still good enough? No, I think number three is good enough. I I, I don't think the loser between Alabama and LSU is ultimately the loser. Honestly, I think they might end up being the winner. Uh, if they did indeed run the table. Um, because whoever loses this game will not be in the SEC championship Assuming they win out, Alabama has Auburn at the end of the season. That's going to be a tough out for Alabama. But if they win out both teams after a loss here, whichever one has that loss, if the team that loses went out, I think they're sitting in the driver's seat. I think because they don't have to play in the SEC championship game, they're in a position that Alabama was in some years ago where, okay, we lose to Auburn. I think they lost to Auburn that year. And then don't play an SEC championship game, but ultimately make it into the playoffs. And it was the right thing to do because Alabama that year, I think they won the um, the national championship that year. So um, the winner, the loser of this game is technically, I don't think, will be a loser. I think ultimately if they win out, they will be the winner in all of this. So you guys want a good Ryan Tannehill stat? Oh, I, Let's do I it. crave it deep in Here my loins. Yes. So this is this is this will show you, and this is kind of shocking, but should show you that stats can be overblown at times. I saw this yesterday. Ryan Tannehill currently leads the NFL in completion percentage at seventy one point eight. He's got a career best passer rating of ninety nine point seven. When I saw these two stats from. Uh, Joe Caparoso of, um, I don't even know where he's from, but he's verified. He's got a blue check mark. Must he's be, put, must be true, he's tweeting yeah. out all these like NFL quarterback stats. I could not believe that considering just how incompetent the offensive line is and how ill-prepared the offensive coordinator is. Like, is this one of these things where we, and I know we said, you know, all right, we're seeing what Tannehill really is the last mm-hmm. week or so, and he's regressed a little bit from that first appearance. But is this one of these things where we might need to take a step back and say, you know what, he, he's been about as good as he possibly can be considering his surroundings? I don't think he's regressed. I think the play calling has. I think when you go against a team that is arguably the worst pass defense in the National Football League and you don't throw the football, that has nothing to do with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you go against a team that, is the worst run stopping defense, and you don't run the football, which in de- which in turn would help the passing. That's not Ryan's fault. I think Tannehill Tannehill has played well, uh, considering you know what this team sure. is about on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive line is bad. Offensive coordinator, he's still learning on the fly, and you implement a you implement a um, an offensive game plan. 
you know, basically going against what you should be implementing. You're going against a horrible pass pass defense team, but you want to run the football. And they have the number, you know, top 10 ranked uh, run stopping defense. And then the next following week, a team that has one of the best pass, you choose not to run the football. Couple of different points here. Uh, I mean, Marcus Mariota had his highest career percentage completion percentage last year, and everybody hated him. So, so I, I don't know how. It's an important stat. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he Tannehill was thirteen to sixteen against Denver, so that was complete garbage time uh, mm-hmm. against the prevent defense. So that's eighty one percent there. He was seventy nine percent against the Chargers, who, by the way, are the worst completion percentage defense pass defense in the NFL. Um, so he was seventy nine percent there, twenty three of twenty nine. Um, and then he was 27 of 39 last week against Carolina, 69% completion percentage, mm-hmm. almost all of that coming in the second half in down by two touchdowns as well. So I think you have to put, it's good that he's been better. It's good that he's playing better than his average. And it's good that he's been better than Marcus. It, it, you still have to put some context around it and say, where, when and where and how are you putting up these numbers? Marcus threw for 300 yards against Jacksonville. Nobody cares because it was garbage time. And and you have to point that out. You have to say, it doesn't matter that you threw for 180 yards in the second half because you were down 17 nothing. Like that's what matters is you were down 17 nothing. So if we're going to do it for one guy, we got to do it for the other guy. Um, it doesn't mean he's not been better. He's been he's been significantly better. I, my issue with Tannehill that, that I think is going to start to creep up, and th- this is the turnover issue. He had two touch. He had two interceptions called back on penalties mm-hmm. two weeks ago. He had two interceptions last week. He threw an interception against the Chargers and the Broncos. He's fumbled three times. And, and recovered them. So my concern is the turnovers as the defenses get tougher because we know the strength of schedule is much tougher for the Titans in the second half. So as Floyd said yesterday, he was one of the few non-issues on the offense this past weekend against Carolina. It was all the other pieces of the puzzle um, that were sort of the issue. But the defense was also an issue this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I, Tannehill's been good. It's been better. There's no question he's mentally in a far better place than, than Mariota is and, is and is throwing the football better. But is it sustainable? Who knows? Um, I think it will be. Um, I think because sort of like we believe Marcus, you just need to be in another place. And maybe, you know, his him as a quarterback changes because he's in a new environment. We you probably will see more so of the quarterback you thought he would be if he goes somewhere else. I think the same thing here with Ryan Tannehill. Fresh start. Yeah, fresh start here. I think he will be a much better quarterback than he was at, at, at Miami. Um, the turnovers, I'm not too worried about the turnovers because I'm not going to, you know, the one off of, um, you know, A.J. Brown's hands, that's not his fault. It was a perfect, it was a good pass to him. That he, That's a pass that he's caught before. I don't know why he didn't catch it that time. Um, the pass, you know, the interception when he first got in there, he's trying to make a play there down. He's trying to, it was fourth down. He's So either I'm going to throw it yeah. or I'm going to get sacked. I would rather throw it and put them at the two-yard line or the three-yard line and not get sacked. So I'm not going to – that one I really don't care about. Um, the one, you know, from the past – the other one from the past game, I would love to know because he went on the sideline and he was talking with Humphreys and he was like, well, he expected the guy to come in versus cover two. You got to cross the safety's face. He threw it in there. Um, that's the same thing with Winston – the the week prior when he was playing against the Titans, he expected the guy to cross the guy's face, and he's throwing in there, and you're trusting that you're going to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And it didn't happen, but it's on, it's on Ryan. And with that new guy at receiver in Khalif, 
he can't yeah. exp- he can't yeah. expect Khalif to know maybe what Humphreys would have known. Yeah, a, so maybe he can't – maybe don't even throw the pass. Maybe I, look outside and throw it to a guy outside. You know what's really funny about the A.J. Brown off his uh-huh. hands? You know what play it reminded me of? What? Was the, the fourth and – the fourth and two throw from from Mar- was it against the Colts? The fourth and two play, remember? Uh, oh like the, yeah, th- he on dropped. Like the forty yard line. He dropped. Read the read the safety on the right side. Threw it to AJ Brown on a quick slant. Was wide open. Hit him right in the hands and it bounced he off. Dropped, yeah, it, like I'm sitting there going, well, we hammered Arthur Smith for the play call. We hammered Mariota for the throw. We hammered AJ Brown for dropping it. And, and I didn't hammer. Oh yeah, like I just mean as a as a mm-hmm. as a giant collective, we sort of said, what are you doing calling the slant play on for that on fourth and two with a rookie? You know, we kind of questioned the play call. Then we blamed Marcus for throwing it a little too high and too hot, and, and AJ Brown sort of gets a pass in that situation. Well, now Tannehill's in there, and it's all it's all AJ Brown's fault. So I, I think there's like you can look at those plays, and again, I thought we overreacted to that play call and that interception or that dropped pass from AJ Brown with Marcus, and I and we can overreact with this as an interception because it's not Tannehill's fault. It's clearly not his fault. It went right. off. He hit AJ Brown right in the hand. So you got to make that play and. Um, I just am concerned that there he's got four interceptions. Two of them have been called back, so he's thrown six technically, and he's fumbled three times. That I'm just pointing out that's something that you should, even though he's been better, very clearly been better. That that is something they need to be careful of, and he's got to get rid of that part of the game, whether it's AJ Brown's fault or not. That part of this needs to, otherwise you're, you know, this team's already facing an uphill battle. They're not like every game they're they're basically. Scrapping and clawing to get to 20 points to try to win, whether it's Tannehill or Marcus. And so you can't have mistakes. Right now, your chance to win a four pack of tickets to Blue Raiders football as MTSU hosts Rice at Floyd Stadium on Saturday, November the 16th. Just be caller number five. <coughs> excuse me, 615 It's emotional. It is. You know, Floyd, uh, Floyd Stadium and Rice. It's, brings I, back memories. I, I, got, uh, I got something I know you're going to like here, Nick. That's, right. that's emotional. You might get emotional, but not Whitney Houston. I, no, baby. Uh, I, I found I found the limits on my Xfinity X1 voice remote last night, Nick. I asked for Maction. I pushed the button on my remote and I said Maction, and it didn't know what I was talking about. So I found the limit on what the Xfinity X1 voice remote can do. But you know what it gave me? It pulled up all these action movies, and so I ended up watching Hot Tub Time Machine last night, <laughs> which I have not seen yet. It is exceptionally good. So even when Xfinity, again, it doesn't know Maxion because Maxion is just sort of like an internet term. It, it knows everything else. And even even when I say something it doesn't know, it still brings me up good options to watch last night. So I've got the playoff rankings in the basketball on one TV, and I've got Hot Tub Time Machine with Rob Corddry acting like a complete knucklehead who is absolutely brilliant in that movie on the on the on my on my other screen, having a great time because Xfinity X One Voice Remote takes care of you. Even when it doesn't know what you're asking for, it still delivers something quality. That's what Xfinity does for you. It makes your life simple, easy, and awesome. 1-800-XFINITY is the phone number. Xfinity.com is the website. Or pop into a store today for more details. Developments on the tattoo front, folks. Whoa, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa. So we mentioned on this show yesterday that Willie and Mace and all the guys on Fox Sports Tennessee brought up the tattoo thing with Dan Lambert and my self-professed love for the power play success. Now, we actually have the audio, but we've also uh, I've also come across a tweet. That brings up an interesting question for discussion. But let's first, this was the audio courtesy of the good folks at Fox Sports Tennessee on the pregame show a few nights ago. I feel like those numbers are encouraging enough 
that more goals are coming in the future. Now, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Our flagship radio station, 102.5 The Game, the morning show host, Nick Kale, said he's in love with how the Predators are going about this power play, so much so that if the Predators move up into the top five in the league in power play goal percentage, he'll get a tattoo on his back of assistant coach Dan Lambert. So there's incentive for the guys. <laughs> that is amazing incentive. I love that. There you go. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, for, it's for, determined oh, that it's wow. the back now. For, yeah. First of all, he's he's already put the the the, the stamp on your back there, buddy. Yeah. He's already done that. Which yes. that was not decided. I think Nick Kale gets to decide where to put it on his body. Correct. Um, I think it should also be dependent on how high they finish in the power play rankings. And and one thing Willie did not say there, he got a little incorrect. Oh, we're Willie. It was. Uh, it's not if they work their way into the top five; they have to finish yes. yeah. at the end of the season mm-hmm. in, the, in the top five in the power play. Now they are working their way towards that. Uh, I, I do believe that we should have a a chart build built a built a chart build a chart build a chart build a chart. What the hell's wrong with me? Um, I build a bear. Yeah, and build have like no. If they finish number one, it's like forehead. If they finish number two, it's like neck tattoo. If they finish number three, it's like the thigh, the quad. If you finish, if they finish number four, then okay, you can go shoulder blade. And if it's number five, you know, you know, lower back, whatever. Like pick, it gets worse as they get better. The the, the first one though, it has to be in a place where when you're in a professional setting, it can be concealed. I I'm okay with that. That that that's number one. So like the head is out. Unless you want me to show up to work wearing a bag over my head. <laughs> Preferably plastic. Um, can we have like a um, some type of we should power au- play meter in here? We should auction off like parts of your body. It goes up, yeah, and then goes like if they go from yes, fifteen to fourteen, it. we well, just monitor the whole thing. You could bring in the uh, the wheel uh-huh. for the rant wheel, and we'll spin it, and we'll uh, use that as a little no, sounder to see if it's going up or down. You know how you do hmm. the. You know how you uh, some people bring in like the when when charity events or companies are raising money mm-hmm. for something. And you put a like a it looks like a cylinder tube, and mm. it's like hey, we need to get to fifty thousand or whatever. You know, you put a number at the top, and you have to, and then you slowly see it build we and grow. That, yeah. We need to get one of those where it's just like the a power play. Meter. It's a chart that has one through thirty one on it, and every day we come in and move the little predator logo to a different spot oh, on the chart. And it's like oh, they're number eleven. Oh, they're number seven. Oh, they're number five. We can, oh, we can watch. We can watch Nick sweat. As they start to get, no, I mean, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> he, he, so you don't have a tattoo, correct? No, I do. You do. So yes. you, you understand what you do then? Yeah. He has one on his lower back. No, I do not. <laughs> right, uh, He's right on. Belly. He's got one around his belly button. Is there anybody on the show that does not have a tattoo? Yeah, I think we're all tatted up. Yeah, everybody's got ink. You make it. We all went, we all went to prison. I got a, I got we two sleeves, man. Up. I got a sleeve. What's your stripes, dog? <laughs> oh, we're all tatted I up, have, man. I have three. How many you, do have you have three. I, I have one. How many do you have, Mace? Two. Two? I don't think Marcus? I've ever seen... Where are your tattoos at, Braden? Oh, I, I don't think I've ever seen them. So, four, seven... <laughs> Why are you looking at him like that? I'm just wondering where the tattoos I, are. I keep them in a place that are concealed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Braden's got one right above his, be- like his belly button. <laughs> All aboard! <laughs> yards per play. Yeah, it's actually... He has it on his ankle. Actually, it actually says yards per attempt. <laughs> he has across, it on my, his, across my he lower back. He has it on back. his ankle. <laughs> I've got a chest plate of Marcus Mariota in a bathtub. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> right on my chest, calf. Well, now here, here's What's the w- question. Somebody, t- uh, it was Wayne. I yeah. want to get the name correct. Wayne tweeted. He said he did not hear the word permanent uh-huh. mentioned oh, in the conversation. Wow. 
you're not you're not trying to no. skirt that issue. Right? I, I think it's automatically assumed yeah, yeah. Permanent, that yeah. the the tattoos. Yeah, permanent. we get real tattoos. We go. Mm-hmm. We don't get henna. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting real yeah, tattoos. We get everything is real, authentic. <laughs> we morning drives all it's tatted authentic up. Authentic <laughs> around this place. We're real on this. On this. From how many? Six to ten. We're real and authentic. All right. How many tattoos does Chase McCabe have? Zero. How many tattoos uh, does zero. Willie Donick have? Zero. Zero. How many tattoos does Darren zero. McFarlane have? Zero. I would say Darren has one. I can see Darren having that one. I think Darren that has one, like a teddy bear. That one drunken night in college <laughs> in Kentucky. <laughs> you see like Darren have like an ACDC it says, tattoo? It says, it says Kentucky, but it's spelled wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of BBN, it's <laughs> something else. All right, so Stillman clearly has no answer. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, this is, hey, he wakes up one morning after a long night in college in Lexington, Kentucky. He's like, guys, it's, it's Big Blue Nation. It's BBN, Big Blue Nation. <laughs> what? What do you guys think I'm talking about? You guys think Flo- you guys think Floyd has a tattoo? I say no. I say no too. He doesn't. But Floyd is the type that got like a tattoo on his thigh. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I just think it's like, and it's a picture. It's like his wife's face. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was just curious. I think the four of us have more tattoos than oh, all the other man. shows combined. I, I think Marquise might have more than all the other shows combined. Yeah, man, man, good lord. Because we are all tatted up. <laughs> well, Mace, you have more than Brayden. I just have oh, he's two. got two. I got I three. One Marquise has Marquise has the most with four. I thought about getting a, uh, a sleeve. I think that was sort of kind of like midlife crisis. Like instead of a sports car. <laughs> yeah, instead of a sports car, I would get a tat. I thought about it, and I'm like, man. And I thought about it for, I mean, for like four because, or five months. Because you've ever Even though sleeve. I'm not 50, but I still thought about it. <laughs> if you have a sleeve, though, like you instantaneously have an image of you, other people have an exactly. image of you the second you walk into any Absolutely. location. If you've got a life, sleeve. baby. Well, no, not that. It's just, I mean, you, like you're either Hardcore. like a, you're either like a hipster musician, uh-huh. or you know, a bar. Like there's just there's an instantaneous judgment that happens, a right? Bartender, and huh? and I th- I think we're moving past those types yeah, of judgments. We but, should be. but don't don't you have to have some side of some sort of like physical present? Like you can't be like a real skinny rail and have a sleeve. That's oh, that's not that's all. Every musician is like yeah. that though. It's, it doesn't all, look good though. All, 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 yeah, it doesn't. Hello, look good. me here. That's no, me. Gotta, like you're like not the rock. Or the rock when the rock left wrestling, he got a lot of like family tribal stuff uh-huh. for his like Samoan background, and he's got a Samoan sleeve that goes down to the elbow, and it's on his through chest, the too. shoulder, through the chest. Yeah. But it looks good because he's carved out of stone. Well, I, so I think yeah. the the musicians though are like five foot three, one hundred and ten pound, and they, they they look like they haven't eaten a meal in like weeks because they've been up all night, you know, working on chords. I don't know, but like the m- musicians are very skinny and thin. Don't what have, tattoos does Fitz have? Do you know a ton, ton? Yeah. But but he's got it on both sleeves, and that's like what he's done is he's built all of his, you know, wherever he's lived and wherever he's worked, mm-hmm. he's put tattoos on, on on each of his arms and. Um, I'm still thinking about it though, man. Like I would, I would, I just, I'm not nearly cool enough to ever think about doing it. I, I want to it. think that I'm that way, but I'm just not, and so but I don't I'm even try. To, I'm trying to figure out when I turn like 75, 80. I am getting one more. What I mean, I'm getting one more for my kids. Birth dates. I don't know what's what it's going to look like. Uh, I will say this though, because we don't really have an older generation of mm-hmm. like openly tattooed people, mm-hmm. right? We, we don't. We haven't reached that point yet, where. Like a sleeve on like a ninety-two year old. <laughs> Have you seen one of those? No. I saw I saw a woman the other day, and she was probably mid seventies, mm-hmm. and had it had tattoos on her shoulders, on her arms, on her back. Like she was wearing like a this was like in the summertime and had like a dress on, and so you could see all of her shoulders and like mm-hmm. her calves and stuff, and had tattoos everywhere. 
And and she was early seventies. She was in shape. It looked okay. Tattoos. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting when yeah. all of our generation all of a sudden is eighty years old. Yeah. And we tats. were the first one where we're all tatted up and like what are we all gonna look like I, when it's all droopy? <laughs> I like in 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 I like for some reason tattoos on a woman. I, it, there's nothing. I like it. I agree. I, I like it. I mean, you know, if you don't have them, that's great too. But if you have them, it's like because some people look frown upon it. No, you know, I got no problem. Some people it. like I don't want. No, I think it looks nice. Okay, here's a question. I want my bartenders no. in Nashville to have tattoos. Exactly. Here's a question: <laughs> How many the guys need mustaches? Think, the because, women need tattoos because we know, like, when we talk about sports, we know basketball. They have tats. I think they probably are the most tatted uh, people in well, the world. We're also showing the most skin. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Athlete. Do you think hockey players? What do you think the percentage yes. of hockey players yes. with tattoos? A lot of tattoos. Lot. Yeah. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, I've always, I've, I've always wondered that because because you see them like. Football and, and back really basketball, yeah. not much as much at baseball, but well, you know what's the what, what's the difference? Uh, let's change the subject from sports to, to something far more lighthearted. Uh, race, yeah, <laughs> culture is it different? Is is tattoo early tattoo like black you black culture? You two of you guys, uh-huh. uh, what's I the think difference? It, I don't know uh, tattoos. I think is it's it, sort of it, like a, a rite of passage, sort of like when you're young. When you get a certain age, you want a tat. Like I mean, that's I made a mistake of getting mine when I was eighteen. Uh-huh. So I got I didn't get my tattoo until I got to college. Yeah, mine was when I graduated high school that summer. Mine that, that was basically mine too. Mine was actually twenty one. That was my yeah. Nick and I were younger so, than both so, so it's almost like a rite of passage. Like I can do what I want now. Yeah, that's true. You know, because I I damn sure wasn't getting but when I was, I was living uh, in my mom and dad's <laughs> home. Yeah, because oh, I no. was I didn't drink and or get tattoos until I was twenty one. So I was a rebel. Yeah, after that, like me too. Well, I got I got mine on my 18th birthday. Okay, and I was moving out of the par- my parents' house like that month. He was like a rebel. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Take this, mom, dad." It's, it's like one inch by two inches. It's like this tiny little thing. And I've never, when I got my tattoo, because I got it my freshman year that summer, uh, a bunch of us on the team went and got tattoos. That's what we. But got I never took my shirt off because it was on my arm, my um, left bicep. I never took my shirt off around my parents. <laughs> never for like the longest because I didn't want them to see it. Yeah. And then once I got older, it was like you know, yeah. wear a tank top. It didn't matter. I waited till my 18th birthday so my parents couldn't say no. <clears throat> so you can't say no. Big finish coming up at 9:45 this morning. Oh, cool. Adam Vingen coming up next. Nice little uh, stick save by D Macer. You almost dropped an entire smoothie that, of berries that, that all over the computer. Bad. There you go. Back after this, Adam Vingen talking all things spreads next. Predators back in action tomorrow night. Game two of their four-game road trip. Looking forward to that. And right now, talking all things Preds, is our buddy Adam Vingen from The Athletic. Adam, we appreciate a couple of minutes. How are you doing this morning, pal? I'm good. How are you? We are doing well. I don't know if anybody is doing as well as Nick Benino right now. And that's where I want to start. Fourth on the team in points this season. The guy has eight goals. He's been flat out a power on the offensive end of the ice. How surprising is this to you, and really, is he capable of keeping this up? Maybe not at the pace of 36 goals or whatever the math comes out to be, but can he be more than we expected this year on offense? I am a bit surprised, and as you'll recall, during the course of the summertime, I I regularly said, whether it's on your show or uh, wrote on The Athletic, that Nick Bonino was the beneficiary of some fantastic puck luck last year, that 
his numbers last year, I believe he had 17 goals and 35 points, were the product of inflated shooting percentage and save percentage. Um, And this year, it's kind of the same. I will tip my cap to him. He has had a really great start to the season. I, I never thought we would say at any point in early November, or actually at any point during the season, that Nick Bonino would be the team's leading goal scorer with eight goals. Uh, but he is shooting 33.3% at five-on-five. Five. That is going to regress. Um, he is, again, among one of the luckiest players in the league, and that's quantified by combining a team's on-ice shooting percentage and save percentage. So the team's shooting the lights out when he's on the ice. He's getting good goaltending when he's on the ice. So his numbers, again, are slightly inflated by some of the luck that he's been getting. But – he has been really strong. His line with Grimaldi and Smith has been really good since they've been together. Uh, and you can't complain, ultimately, about scoring eight goals in 15 games in the way that he's helped this offense. What about uh, Pecorino? He's obviously off to the best start in, in franchise history. Are you seeing anything different from him? Is it just a great offense? Is he more relaxed because he knows he doesn't have the pressure to pitch a shutout every night? Just w- Explain maybe how how good of a start he's had relative to a lot of other really good years. Well, I saw yesterday after the game that, as you mentioned, he's 8-0-2 through 10 games, which is a franchise record for the longest season opening point streak by a goaltender. He also became the first goaltender in league history to post a season opening point streak of at least 10 games at the age of 36 or older. And he just turned 37 over the weekend. I can't say I'm seeing anything specific that's different about Pecorino. I just think he continues to defy logic and age by continuing to play at such a high level at, at such an advanced age. And goaltenders at his, at his age really should not be playing the way he's playing. Um, but he's been fantastic. Uh, we've seen a couple of rough games uh, over the course of the start, even with the 8-0-2 start. I, I think of the game against Calgary where they blew the 4-1 lead in the third period. It wasn't a good team game overall, but that was probably his weakest game as well. Um, but I just think he continues to he just continues to show that even at a freshly 37, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. Um, in terms of mechanics or his approach, I can't say I see anything different than what I've been seeing for the past several years. Um, another guy, um, Adam, who seems to have gotten himself back on track is Kyle Turris. Um, do you think this, what we're seeing now, um, is more indicative of, of what he will continue to be? Because we're trying to figure out, you know, has he lost it? Um, you know, will he ever return back to form before, you know, before he got here? Um, but now it seems like this season early on, He's picked up everything, and he seems to be playing like the guy the the Predators hoped they, hoped they were getting when they made the trade. Right, and and that trade, by the way, was two years ago yesterday, hmm. if you can believe it, the two-year anniversary of the Kyle Turris trade, which also included Matthew, Matthew Shane going from Colorado to Ottawa. Um, anyway, you know, Kyle has eight points in 15 games. He scored one of the six goals for the Predators uh, against the Red Wings the other night. And I think we're finally seeing him get a fair shake. Um, There were some line changes before the game against Detroit, and Kyle Turris graduated to the quote-unquote second line um, as the center with Mikhail Granlin being bumped down to the quote-unquote fourth line. 
feels like Mikhail Granlund is a new Kyle Turris. Um, but I, I think you're seeing a healthy and a revitalized Kyle Turris. You know, we talked during the summertime about his performance at the World Championships and whether or not we should make something out of it. Um, I really do think that that had a significant effect on his mindset uh, as he prepared for the season over the summer. I, I think if he doesn't have that experience, uh, I think the start to his season might be a bit rougher. Uh, but he seems to be back to the Kyle Turris we know he can be. You know, he's, he's riding some confidence. He's getting playing time with players that uh, complement his skill set. Um, I think the Predators would still ultimately prefer to find a way out of that contract just because they have a lot of tough decisions to make. And, and a $6 million cap hit, would, you know, getting rid of a $6 million cap hit would go a long way and fixing some of those issues. But with the way that Kyle Turris is going right now, why would you want to trade him? Um, he really has been an asset to this team, especially with some early injuries that they've dealt with in the first month of the season. Adam, Ryan Ellis is off to a really good start this year as well. I thought Braden had a really good uh, observation yesterday when we were uh, discussing, you know, Ryan Ellis basically getting into that scuffle two nights ago and making the correlation back to last spring when he got pushed around in Dallas. And and the the crux of the conversation was, hey, I'm not going to get pushed around as a smaller, undersized defenseman in this league anymore. Did you take that as Ryan Ellis maybe trying to send a statement around the league? I didn't, but I can see where you're coming from in that. Um, you know, Dylan Larkin certainly took offense to it and uh, ended up taking not only a fighting major but a roughing penalty as well. Um, but I had a really interesting conversation with Ryan Ellis about a week and a half ago in Tampa. And, and we all know, watching Ryan Ellis last year, just based on the eye test, something wasn't right about him. And he was playing through some injuries last year that – he told me the fact that he was able to play in all 82 games was an accomplishment in itself. And and Ryan Ellis, to me, is the most competitive player on that roster. I mean, there were opportunities last year where he was given the choice to sit out for a couple of games and rest if he wanted to, and that was a complete non-starter with Ryan Ellis. He did not want to miss any games, and he had a career year in points last year, average ice time, first time he played in all 82 games, but he still didn't seem like himself. And I feel like this year, between the points, the underlying analytics, the eye test, everything is meshing. And we're seeing Ryan Ellis almost reborn, I feel like. He's as healthy as he possibly can be. The injuries, by the way, my understanding, were not related to his knee, which he had surgery on a couple of years ago. So it was something else that he was dealing with. But he acknowledged that he, he was not completely himself last year. He wasn't able to do the things that he wanted to do. And that may have contributed to the play against Dallas in the playoffs that we're, we always reference. But you know, he's been fantastic. I mean, he and Roman Yossi are point-per-game players through the first 15 games of the season. I mean, they have been spectacular as a pair and individually. Yeah, I think my point, Adam, was just I'd like to see him show that edge where he's towing the line between clean and dirty a little bit. It's not dirty, but it's close so that so that other teams just have something to think about before diving into the corners in the playoffs. And, that, and that's just... I think I want to see some of that from him throughout the course of the year so that teams aren't just so confident that they just barrel into the corners in in, uh, in the playoffs. So that was kind of my point about that particular hit on Larkin that started all of that. Um, my, my follow-up, though, to your comments about Turris and the contract, Craig Smith, Nick Benino, Mikhail Granlund, and Kyle Turris, they're all getting paid between 4 and $6 million dollars. Uh, how many of these guys are a part of the Roman Yossi contract problem that will take place 
next year? Uh, I would say at least two. Um, and you know, I wrote a story on Monday breaking down how Roman's contract could impact the roster. And really, I, I think it's in, in, barring a cap clearing move like a Kyle Turstrake, for example, I think it's going to come down to Mikhail Granlund or Craig Smith. And as I watch Mikhail Granlund so far this season, 10 consecutive games without a point, his underlying numbers are good, but he's not producing. You know, he's 27 years old. He's making $6.5 million in salary. He's going to be looking for a big payday for a long-term contract. I don't know how you can commit that kind of term and dollar to Mikhail Granlin the way he's looking right now. I mean, Craig Smith is the older player. He'll be 31 before the start of next season, but you know what you're getting in Craig Smith. Mikhail Granlin, from a point perspective, has been a major disappointment since coming to Nashville. He's not worth the investment uh, that – that's being made of him right now. And if he doesn't pick up his play, I can't see why the Predators would want to commit long-term and a lot of money to him. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, cur- I'm really curious to see how that goes. In terms of Craig Smith, I know that his agent met with Brian Poyle, assistant general manager, late last week to have some early conversations about Smith's future and a potential contract extension, but nothing past that. Um, but it's going to be very interesting because it, I think at least two notable players on this roster are not going to be on it when next season starts. Adam, good stuff as always, buddy. We appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. You got it. Adam Vinken with us. That was almost verbatim what I said yesterday with um, with Granlin. Right on what you were saying yesterday. So just not not earning that five point well, seven five. And, and a lot of it's about how old you are and what are you looking for. And I think Adam makes a great point there too. At, at, at his age, Granlin, what, 27 years old, 26 years old, he's still looking for that number one biggest last paycheck, right? Like, he wants the five- or six-year deal worth $36 million. Like, that's – he wants the tourist contract. Tourist has already gotten it. Craig Smith is probably not, you know, of that value. Nick Benito's a little older, too, and he's not of that value either. So if you can bring back Craig Smith and Nick Benito, you know, at around $4 million a piece per – can, you don't have to give Granlin the big contract. You can let him go. You trade tourists. That's six million. That's twelve million dollars off the books, right yeah. there. No doubt about it. Big finish coming up next. Stay there. It's morning drive here on ESPN one hundred two five. The game. We've had a big show. That is correct. It is time for the big finish. We do it each and every day at 945 here on Morning Drive. And Braden is brought to you by Nashville SC inaugural season tickets for the MLS season next year, of course, coming up. NashvilleSC.com is a website. NashvilleSC.com. Welcome into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game here on a Wednesday edition of the show. Happy Hump Day! We should take uh, all of our pre-show Man. conversations and commercial Can we breaks. Put them on a podcast. Put them on a podcast, and then put them behind a paywall, and then put a rating on it. Ex- oh, explicit. It would be. It would be. <laughs> it would be so awesome. Calipari is the greatest coach ever. Oh, um, you got yeah, it in be, there early. It'd be awesome. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. I know. I know. So your thoughts, your first reaction, Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Bama 3, Penn State 4, and then the guys on the outside looking in was what? Clemson 5, 
uh, Georgia 6. You know, first reaction. Number one for me is if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I am the happiest dude on the planet. Mm-hmm. I am the happiest dude on the planet. If I'm Dabo Sweeney, I could not be happier. I think Reese Davis said it last night. Could not. The most excited guy to see Clemson pop up at 5 is Dabo Sweeney. Because he's going to take that and he's going to plaster it all over the facility and say, look at this, boys. 25, 26 straight. You're winning by 35 points a game. you got the best player in America. Nobody trusts you. Nobody believes in you. They don't believe Penn State's going to be Ohio State. They believe <laughs> Penn State is going to lose and be out anyway. Why? Because my thing is, you put Clemson at, at five. Clemson has blown everybody out except North Carolina. Clemson will be undefeated, yeah. and, and they're going to be in the playoff regardless. Exactly. And then Penn State has had some close games, period. They've had close games. But better you, but better wins. Yeah, but better wins. Slightly. But you put them ahead of Clemson. My, my thought is they know, they don't believe that Penn State can beat Ohio State. So they know eventually, once the rankings come back again after the game, after Penn State and Ohio State play, Clemson will jump them, and Penn State will drop to eight. Well, and they'll feel justified this exactly. week if they beat Minnesota. I ticked off Penn State fans last night on Twitter. I, I said that Clemson would beat Penn State by 17 points yes, on the neutral yeah. field. Yes. I think so. You know who I feel bad for I, mm-hmm. is NC State. Oh, yeah. This week, oh, NC oh, State God. is at home against Clemson. NC State's a 32-and-a-half-point underdog at home to Clemson. Clemson's going to come in disrespected, not being in the playoff. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, people listen to me. Play the points. Listen to me right now. <laughs> if you've ever listened to me for one thing, just listen for this. <laughs> Find your bookie and bet Clemson for everything you own. They will <laughs> Win by 50, and they will destroy <laughs> NC State to stick it right up the committee's keystone. D-Mace dissection today. You going to dissect Derek uh, Mason? I, I think, Is that uh, your all 22? I, I, I think, I, I think yeah. he's still in the laboratory. I think I'm in the laboratory. My computer went bonkers yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Dude, all the sponsors that, are going to be pissed. Yeah. My, my lab, man. I mean, I had a little fire in the lab yesterday. You got a little rust on the scalpel. Yeah, one of, one of the techs, you know, one of the techs was messing around and, and spilled something, you know, on the, on the computer while I was in the back is working. That, is, he's like that fat guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah. He just, I don't know what he was trying to do. <laughs> he's trying to. But he ended up, you know, he I think he was eating, drinking a Coke and eating, trying eating to steal a honey that, bun, you know. Trying to steal that dino <laughs> <Exactly>. DNA. <laughs> and he knocked over his Coke into the machine, man. And I came running out, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's got ink on his face. Like, yeah, it's just like, though. Do you realize what you just done? Tim Brando from Fox Sports. Alabama's got to win because if they don't win, they can't get in. Really? No, that's such a joke. No, Alabama is a brand name. Alabama looks good in warm-ups. Alabama's got all these championships. If Alabama loses to LSU in a close game, don't tell me they yeah. can't get in no, I agree. college football playoff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, please, Alabama, if you're going to say Ohio State is number one because of an eye test, and how the hell is Alabama suddenly out if they lose to LSU? I don't buy that. I just don't. This thing is going to come back down to the teams that we can always predict they're going to be here. As long as we're at four teams, this is what we're looking at. Brands matter. We welcome in the head coach of Vanderbilt, Coach Derek Mason. I believe Dan Mullen is one of the best play callers, you know, in, in college football right now just because, I mean, he finds ways to get matchups. And, you know, that's what's going to be critical in this game, you know, watching Trash stand in the pocket. How are they going to formation you? How are they going to get you in on balance? And, and they're looking for the one-on-one matchups. Is there anybody on the show that does not have a tattoo? Yeah, I think we're all tatted up. Everybody's got ink. You made, you made your sleeve. <laughs> we all went to prison. I got, I got two sleeves, man. Up. I got a sleeve. How many, Six to ten, we're real and authentic. All right, how many tattoos does Chase McCabe have? Zero. How many uh, tattoos does Willie Donick have? Zero. Zero. How many tattoos does Darren McFarlane have? 
I would say Darren has one. I could see Darren having that one. I think Darren that has one, like a teddy bear. That one drunken night in college <laughs> in Kentucky. <laughs> you see, like, Darren have, like, an ACDC it says, tattoo? It says, it says Kentucky, but it's spelled wrong. <laughs> Instead of BBN, it's <laughs> something else. All right, so Stillman clearly has no answer. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this is, hey! He wakes up one morning after a long night in college in Lexington, oh, Kentucky. He's like, guys, it's, it's Big Blue Nation. <laughs> BBN, Big Blue Nation. No, you're my jungle And you know who this it's, is? This feels like a Detroit Rock City party you know in like 1992. Is? It's not Whitney. 1988. Oh, no. Man, it's the time, man. Morris Day in the Morris time. Day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jungle up. Oh, we, oh, we, you would be like blaring this out of the house, and Mr. Bruno would come out and start yelling. Mason, turn that down. Turn that damn radio down. Well, well, turn well, that well, Mr. Bruno, down, boy. Mr. Bruno, in my head, uh-huh. has a rocking chair on his front porch, uh-huh. and he listens to the blues, old Chicago blues, and he just sits up there and he just yells at people. See, I, I, I picture, I, I picture oh, Mr. Was, Bruno was, more like Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace. Like, you were Dennis the Menace, so we'll call uh. you Derek the Menace. <laughs> and, and Mr. Bruno's Mr. Wilson from D- the old yeah. TV show. D-Menace. Mr. D-Menace. Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, but he got he would blow his stack all the time. That's right? my kind yeah. of guy. See, and I, Sometimes his stack see needs Mr. to be blown. I can see Mr. Bruno just be like, hey, boy. Get off the lawn. Stop walking, uh, Mr. Stop Mr. walking Mr. through my flower bush. Well, he always talks about, like, look, come, come, come look at this. Come look at this. Somebody come look at this. <laughs> Did he have a rocking I like, chair? I like Mr. Bruno. No, he had two chairs. Him and his wife would sit on the chair. Wave See, they would. They'd sit in the front porch. Wave, on the, wave at everybody. He had the best lawn in the, in the neighborhood. Sweet home Chicago. Yeah, I love Mr. Bruno. When, when I get to Mr. Bruno's age, the last thing I'll be doing is sitting in a chair next to my wife. I'll be checked out at that point. That's the last thing Nick Kale will be doing. But I digress. Well, you still have Tito's? Oh, uh, you damn right. <laughs> Wait, does that just put you on the back porch and her on the front porch? You Hopefully in separate separate, separate uh, time zones. <laughs> oh, my God. Much less porches. There you have it, boys and girls. Four hours of unscripted entertainment. I feel like Marquise is throwing you under the bus there a little bit at the end. That's all right. <laughs> but he does it every, every I know, show. I know. I couldn't get away with anything he says. No. I know that. A lot of, lot of, uh, lot of marital equity build up. Yeah, that's true. You, you build up years? a lot of goodwill, then you can take but some shots. I, I How many years like, you got? Uh, it was eleven last week. That's, but that's I, I feel like Nick's wife does the exact same thing he does on the show to her coworkers. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. at work, of course. Yeah, so my fat husband. Yeah, <laughs> with his moves, with his swim, swim trunks, <laughs> and his swim trunks, and his white undershirt, and his stinking Tito's. All he's doing is. We've got a we've got a second fridge for just cranberry juice. All he does is drink and gamble. What a loser! <laughs> All right, that what, is. What it. else do you do? That's, I play golf when the weather's nice. That's true. I, mean, yeah. I like to golf. That's all I need to do in his life. Yeah. Golf, drink, and gamble. life. Yeah. Got a couple of pars. Got a couple of Tito's. You already got a couple healthy kids. A couple so. of parlays. Yeah. Good God bless them. All right, that's it for us. We are done on a Wednesday. Back tomorrow, Predators game day. A big one tomorrow in Colorado. Preds in the avalanche. Could be a Central Division showdown. Just saying. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Take care. Family DJ Nashville, I love ya.